Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. Michelle, the first thing that I always like to do on the show is ask my guests to give me an oh yeah. So can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Perfect. Thank you. So thank you so much for doing this. I know it's kind of a long time in the making. Yes, <laughs> it took, it took us a little bit to get here, but absolutely. But we're here. Yes. So it's snowing right now in the beautiful Wisconsin. How was your drive in? Did you slip and slide? or? or? No, it was actually pretty good. So nothing is sticking. I feel good about that. That means no shoveling later. <laughs> right. I was really worried about that. I was teasing my son earlier. When we first moved to Wisconsin, that first winter, I was like, yeah, I'm getting a snowblower. <laughs> good investment. Good investment. <laughs> Someone should have included that in the packet. Like, they they didn't to... tell me. Nobody shared that information with me. Disservice. I'm sorry. They didn't. Are you originally from Wisconsin? I am. I am a Milwaukee native, born and raised. I did go to Madison for school, University of Wisconsin-Madison for school. I moved around a little bit, and I'm back. Now, what you study? Industrial and systems engineering. So you're a recovered engineer as well? Recovered. <laughs> I'm recovered. Yeah. Or are you still recovering? I get the sense I, you might still be recovering. You know, it is such a love-hate relationship. I got to tell you, I loved going to school. I loved the relationships I built. I loved even parts of working. And then there were other parts where I was like, why? Just why? Am I here? <laughs> why am I doing this? And especially for me, when I chose the emphasis of supply chain, I was just, yeah, a lot of why. Finding myself. Why am I here? <laughs> Got it. Okay, so UWM, you yeah. say you left. Mm-hmm. Where we leave to? Oh, a few places. So I did a rotational program for the company I was hired for, and they sent me to North Carolina, Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio. Then I switched jobs and went to Missouri, and then I returned to Wisconsin. Got it. So were the accents different in uh, Missouri and Kentucky? Yes. In Illinois? What part of Illinois? Northern or? Mid, but maybe Southern. It was north of Effingham. Okay. But not far. And it was so small. I think the little town that I was in uh, had literally one exit and that was it. If you missed it, that was tough luck. What town? Mattoon. Mattoon. Yeah. It's right off of I-57. You want to know how I know that? How do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, why do you know that? Because I'm originally from Southern Illinois, um, uh-huh. and we go back all the time. And I-57 is the longest, mm-hmm. most boring highway. <laughs> and it literally runs from the top of Illinois, yep. literally all the way down to the bottom of Illinois. Yep. You want to know how I know? Because <laughs> my, <laughs> my hometown, Mounds, is about 
10 minutes west, I guess, of Carroll. And Carroll borders Missouri and Kentucky. So there's a point in Carroll, actually, where the Mississippi and the Ohio River meet, but they don't mix. I did not know that. That's why they call it the muddy Mississippi. And it looks like on the one side it's muddy still, and the other side is clear. I did not know that. Okay. That would have given me something to do on the weekend to drive down and see that. There's a lot of history there. People don't know, but Carol, there's a lot of history. Okay, so we go to school. We are doing the rotation. What did we learn at the various stops that we added to our tool belt? It was a few things. So when I first moved to North Carolina, one, I wanted to move further south. You know, speaking of winter, I was like, I've got to go. I didn't want to go to University of Wisconsin-Madison at first. And it was just from, like, a silly 18-year-old, I want to go south mentality. I wasn't considering programs or anything like that. I was just like, no, I've been here my whole life. I want to go south. But Wisconsin had an amazing program, like, once I actually, you know, read up on things and considered my future realistically. They did have a great program, and there were better scholarships in state. So I was there, but then I went to North Carolina and I was like, okay, I've arrived, I've made it, finally, you know, south. And I was still very introverted. And I was in this beautiful southern state in the apartment every weekend. So one of my first learnings or challenges for myself was to go out every weekend and speak to three people. And even though I loved my routine of going to get me some sushi and a bottle of wine and my movies and just chill out, I also needed to explore the new space I was in. That was my um, biggest learning around trying to come out of my shell a bit. There weren't many cases where I didn't have something to say. I just chose not to. So I needed to do that there because I didn't know anyone otherwise outside of the people I worked with. And they were an interesting group. So (laughs) That's a nice way to say it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had to uh, adjust that way. So that was one of my biggest learnings there. When I then moved to Mattoon, there were stretches of loneliness again, and I've already gotten into the groove of going out, talking to people, but it was very, very difficult there. I actually lived in Charleston, which is like 10 minutes away, but it's a totally different town, Um, and the plant I was working at was in Mattoon, but it was still difficult to, to meet people, and not even just network, but just have something outside of work. So I drove home a lot which probably did me a disservice at that time. But I was like, okay, it's like five and a half hours. So just pack up my bag on Friday and get on the road as soon as I'm off. But I think the learning there was that I do need people. As much of an introvert that I am and as much as I did enjoy my alone time, having a balance is important also, um, which is why I was driving home. After that, I went to Lexington, Kentucky, And that was the first time I was a manager over people. And it was a union plant, which definitely added more spice to the learning. Spice is what we're calling it. Yes, spice. I don't know how well I am off the cuff, so I think spice works. (laughs) It was definitely some spicy times. You know, I had grievances written up on me that I had to dispute. And just working with a group of people that saw me as a kid, didn't respect my position, 
And I was on second shift, too, so I was the only salaried person on the entire shift. So it was my team plus the maintenance team plus the quality guy. And, you know, those people, of course, didn't report to me. I had nothing to do with their salaries, but I still needed to manage every person in the plant as the only member of the leadership team. So that was a lot, too, for me. And how old are you at this point? I was 26. So you're a 26-year-old, relatively soft-spoken, black woman. Mm-hmm. leading probably mostly non-black people correct <laughs> in a management supervisory position oh absolutely at absolutely. that context to in lexington kentucky. in lexington kentucky you know where they love their um their football and horses and confederate flags and i was like oh come on y'all <laughs> like even the grievances were like wait what i remember one It actually annoyed me to go in there and dispute the grievance because this particular guy volunteered for the fire department. I had asked him to do something where things were falling, and it was actually a hazard because it was breaking and glass was shattering. So I was like, hey, you need to clean that up. And he said, okay. Did my rounds again. I came back. It was still there. I was like, no, you need to clean that up. He's like, okay, I'll get to it. I said, okay. Came back. It's still there. I'm like, okay, you need to get that up. Like, seriously. It's a hazard. You can cut yourself. Someone else can cut yourself. Like, you need to do it. And he kept saying, well, I said I'll do it. So I said, okay, I'll wait. Because clearly when I walk away, you don't do it, right? So I waited, and he purposely did not do it. Where I needed to call another person to come and just clean it up because the point of it was it really was a hazard. If someone were to get hurt, that was my neck. And then the next day he had written a a grievance that I was bullying and intimidating him to clean up the broken glass. And I'm just like, I would really prefer to tell y'all things once. Honestly, that's why I said it and walked away. If I wanted to stand over you, then I could have did that the first time. Even though I, I was annoyed, had to go in there, listen to them. But that was the one that I was like, I'm not apologizing. You are not going to twist this in the way where I need to apologize to you. So that's impressive to me because at that age, a lot of times that situation goes up differently, right? Was it about your mindset, your training, your maturity that enabled you to handle that so professionally and maturely? Because I know, I'm just speaking for me, that probably wouldn't have gone the same way. But the whole environment, right? This is your third rotation at this point. So you really polar opposites, I imagine, right? So North Carolina is quite different than Mattoon. Yeah. It's quite different than <laughs> right? And so yes, yes. to manage all of that change, those differences, different personalities, different contexts, like how do you do that? Because that's not easy. I think I would give credit to my family. We all have very big personalities, which people who are closer to me when they see me, with my family, they're almost shocked, like, oh, okay. (laughs) Because we're we're loud and we riff on each other all the time. And it's such a loving environment, but we've learned each other well enough, which I think people and families do, like we give each other the grace to learn each other, that we're able to flex. So I think that gave me a little bit of the insight on how to adjust. I mean, Coming from Mattoon, quite honestly, I was the only black person, not black woman, (laughs) black person in that entire facility. And then there was, oddly enough, another woman that was mixed race, was not as proud of being black as I was. So that's why I feel as though I was the only, because there were things that 
I would think or feel or notice. So I was already happy to be in Lexington to see more of us. It was a plus on that end. And I just wanted to use a lot of the things that I learned from Mattoon and take it there and, and really understand how people see me. In Mattoon, for example, one of my new hires came on and he was asking me a ton of questions about where I'm from and what did I uh, study, the school that I went to. He had a ton of questions. And I, I thought they were genuine questions because he was new and he's trying to get to know his supervisor, which I was kind of a dotted line supervisor. I wasn't direct as I was in Le- uh, Lexington. But then at the end of the conversation, this man literally said to me, oh, well, I feel good that you're not a diversity hire. It was very clear how people are going to perceive me, how people, whether they voice it or not, what they're possibly thinking about me, and the fact that it was common sense that if there's hot glass on the floor, you need to clean it up. Quite honestly, you should have cleaned it up before (laughs) I even walked around there to notice it, right? But I just was aware how he saw me and tried to manage the situation on the principles alone and not be emotional about it. Not to say that I was not. I had a lot of opportunities where I could have blown off the handle, but instead I went to my car and took lunch outside or just something because I I also just did not want to allow people to see how they affected me and I was proud of myself in those moments but it was those few things like in that one where I said I'm not apologizing I am not I I will go through this thing I get it I will hear you out I will explain my perspective but I will not apologize to you because this that is what I'm going to hold on to out of this so Missouri where did we land in Missouri Columbia Columbia yes how was that you know another small town it was okay I am, rather, a member of National Society of Black Engineers. And at that time, I had um, joined the regional board of Region 5. So I was able to connect with the collegiate students there and with the other professionals on my board and across the region. So that did help, like, with that connection piece. But again, at work, you know, and that's why I had these moments of why. Like, I'm good at this. Like, just let me do my thing and go. But I, I did have situations there where I was just challenged often and I was unclear I wasn't unclear as to why but to the magnitude of which things were pushed I remember being in a meeting and I had presentation together to um, share the upcoming schedule of material and things and I was taking over for someone and the the product manager I guess was used to seeing in that particular way of the previous person But to me, it had a lot of noise. Like, all of this stuff on the slide is not necessary. No one even asked questions because I shadowed for a while. They don't even acknowledge these other things. Let's make this clean and concise was my goal. And almost at the sight of the pitch being different, he was immediately upset. Like, yelling, bamming his fists on on the table. And I'm like... Yo, it's not that serious. Like, it's really not. If you listen to me for a second, we can walk through this beyond the time that you even threw your tantrum. Like, we could have been through this already. And then the lack of support. You know, I I expressed my concern to HR after that. And she's like, oh, well, I've known him for years, so I don't know what you want me to do about that. 
And I'm like, oh, my goodness, where am I? You know, and so I had many, many cases like that, like where I was almost just forced to internalize a lot because I knew I had things to lose. I knew that I would take the brunt of anything that fell out, and I didn't have the flexibility to do so. So I had a lot of quiet yelling moments by myself. And it's funny, like, even venting to my friends to this day, one of them called Missouri <laughs> Misery. I think just weighing out the options, like, I, I just knew I wasn't on the winning side. So how could I best best win holistically if I'm looking at the bigger, bigger picture? Got it. So from Columbia, what was the next stop? I came back to Milwaukee, which was so strange because I, I love home, right? And, you know, my mom's here, my sisters and everyone was here. Um, but the reality of me not being here since I was 18 was very clear. And I came back, I think, with the mindset of this is home. Like, I could just jump into the groove of everything. Um, but it had been maybe seven or eight-ish years, um, and, and plus college, so closer to, like, maybe 12-ish, actually, 11 or 12. Um and it was not the same. Like, my friends were in different places in their lives. Um, some of them had even moved out of the state at this point. And I almost need to go back into my tool bag of, okay, what did I do when I went to North Carolina? What did I do when I went to Ohio and Kentucky and all of these things um, where I I kind of really needed to reinsert myself, even though this was home and, you know, I love Milwaukee as home, I felt like an outsider, almost as an imposter. So I needed to do the same things that I did in the other cities and states that I moved to. It's almost like you read my notes because now I want to transition into personal mastery, right? Because I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you, and you have to have a great deal of self-awareness, right, to look at a situation almost from a different perspective and say, okay, how do I want to be perceived? How do I want my brand to be viewed? Where did that come from? Like, that doesn't just fall from the skies. Like, I'm this self-aware person and <laughs> I want to, how did you get that? Like, where did that come from? I think I've always been pretty introspective. I struggle to even think back to kind of an aha moment of, you know, this is it. I think one of the things that I was made aware of with my family and, and like, my mom. Just not being shy with understanding what it means to be a black woman in America and what comes with that. Having pride in that as well as understanding there will be challenges. And also recognizing in my field, like, you know, you mentioned being a recovering engineer. No, I'm recovered. <laughs> I don't know what, what state you're in, but you're I'm recovered. completely okay. recovered. Okay, okay. <laughs> I noticed it in my classes. Actually, as, as I'm thinking as I speak, I think this came from high school. You know, I come from 53206. I'm proud of that. My neighborhood definitely has some challenges, but I am proud of being able to grow from that and still be where I am today. As a part of that, I was going to go to one of our neighborhood schools for high school, and my mom did not want that. Right? She, I had expressed that I wanted to go to college, and she was like, okay, well, we need to do something different for high school. So I went to private school, which is completely different than my neighborhood school. And 
that was the first time I needed to tap into my self-awareness, I think, because I felt like an imposter there, right? There were other black kids there, but they had been to private school and they were used to the different dynamics, like even dress code and religion class and, you know, and, and it was so strange. And I didn't speak a lot in my first year. Like, I really didn't try to even make friends. It was like, okay, I'll come to school and I'll get my grades and then I'll go home to my real people Like after this, you know. And, and I, I played sports, like I ran track and cross country and things. So I was around people, but I really didn't insert myself the way I could have. And I think that was my first bit of exposure of needing to be self-aware and encouraging myself to do things differently. So when I was put in other situations like the Mattoons and Kentuckys and, you know, I um, reminded myself of that, of uh, not so much to be just a chameleon and adapt to everything and lose myself, really knowing who I am and what parts that I felt comfortable adjusting to. Now, did you have specific ways that you do that, right? When I think about successful people, they're disciplined. They do things because they're committed to it, not because they like them particularly. So what kind of practical things have you done over the years to kind of keep yourself going in that upward trajectory? I don't think people realize like shining is expensive. It costs you something Mm -hmm. like it's not free. That's why everybody doesn't do it. Because it's easy to to be lazy and to don't do what you need to do. Like, that's easy. It's harder to be excellent and to maintain the standard of excellence over time, right? So how do you shine? That discipline piece is very important. I am very tough on myself to be my best self, to show up a particular way. You know, what do I want? I know my sister says often you know, you'll think about something for a while, but once you've made up your mind that this is it, then that's it. Like, <laughs> there is no turning back from it. You know, there's no wavering after that. And that's one of the things that she expresses being proud of me of is that I go into something, you know, really 110%. And it's a lot of my family. Like, I believe in that village piece so much. And I've referred to my like my mom and my sisters my aunt you know they've always been there to be an encouragement to be support and really help me especially in those tough times and remind me who I am so that I can get back in there when I feel a bit defeated that's awesome I can identify with that because when I was in high school I was always a smart kid. Like, I was as smart as I needed to be. I wasn't going to give any effort over and above academically, even though I could. But I didn't think I was smart enough to go to college. I didn't think I could afford it. And it was people like my mom, my sister that said, Elsie, you're smart. You can do this, right? That kind of turned that switch on for me. I was going to go to the Army because not that there's anything wrong with the Army, There's nothing wrong with the Army. But I thought that that was my only option because I wasn't smart enough. I couldn't afford college. And so I had uh, gone down the path I was going to do it. And um, I told my sister, it's like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And she started to plant those seeds to otherwise. And it worked because one day I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I think I can do it. And so I go to my recruiter and I say, hey, you know, I had a change of plans. I think I'm going to go to college instead. And I'll never forget the moment. He was about my height at the time. He looked me right in the eye and he said, you won't be able to do it. You can't afford it. And that was the moment. 
switch goes off and I was like, okay, not only am I going to do it, <laughs> yes. but I'm going to do it well. And from that point on, it was like, all right, now I'm kind of crazy in that, like, I literally believe I can do anything. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely identify with that support system. Before we hit record, we had a bit of a disagreement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of excellence and shining, and I was sharing with you how I know how I am, right? Especially back in high school, I was the guy, like, if you're not on my team and you fall during a game, I'm not helping you up. <laughs> I might even kick you so that, no, I, not that far, but I'm not that guy that's going to help you up, right? I, that's just, that wasn't me. And so as I've gotten more seasoned, I've learned to position my thinking to be helpful, to add value, and letting, sort of letting the outcome happen as it may. But you said... I hear you, but I need to win. I need to win. <laughs> help, help me. Help, let's walk people through why both ways are okay, right? And talking thought leadership and knowing personal mastery, knowing works for you. To help us understand how that works for you, for Michelle. Yeah, so I am definitely competitive. Again, I come from a big, loud family, and we give each other crap. So one of the things that my mom did, which I think was just awesome, we always had game night. So that competitiveness and, you know, going back and forth with each other has been there since the very beginning. So it was not going to go anywhere once I've entered the world on my own. (laughs) I just, I really wanted to win. Like that feeling of being the best, even if it was just for this season, even if it was just for this moment. You know, I love that. I love getting my gold star in school. Like those were the things that really pushed me. And not to say that I wasn't a team player, but, again, with that self-awareness, I did individual sports. Again, I ran cross-country by myself, okay? I did did track, you know, I stayed in my lane, literally. (laughs) I did things where I wanted to win and especially not feeling like I needed to put others down to do it because I'm definitely a helper. But with that, too, to get my gold star, I do all the things. Like, I think about, you know... The training that I need to do to win. I think about the practice that I need to put in. I think about other advantages that I need to just expose myself to and win. I I study myself and others, you know, other people who are definitely winning in that space and seeing what they're doing. I put the work in to win. And it's almost like a flip of I want to win that bad. I'm going to dig as deep into the rabbit hole as I need to, to figure out all the nuggets to be able to win. I think it would be very detrimental if I was just like, oh, I want to win and do nothing, (laughs) you know. I think that's why I can kind of say it with a smile, like, no, winning is it. Like, you enter it with winning at the top of mind because I know I've also done the things to try to get there. Yeah, so we talked about your journey, right, your four stops, the gems that you picked up along the way. Mm -hmm. We talked about your personal mastery, how you shine. We talked about how you want to win. Mm -hmm. What in the world does all of that have to do with your business and what you're doing today? Yeah, so I'm the founder of an international travel assistance And it's very different from being an engineer, for sure, in terms of when you look at it. My processes to build it is definitely from an engineer's mindset. All of my analytics that I've collected and the way I roll out different programs, all of those things, you know, are very structured. And and I know my engineering background has supported that. 
But it's coming from a place of passion also. I love traveling. I love immersing myself in cultures. I love languages. I love food. And you really get those things when you are in a place longer than a week, in a place where you're not living on the resort, right? In a place where you can go to a country and really experience that country for what it is and not just trading locations in a sense, trading the weather. I think that this has been an idea of mine kind of playing in the back of my head for a while that has just now come to fruition because I have the tools and I have created this version of myself to best suit this business. So sorry to interrupt, but you just said something. You said you have created this version of yourself. Like you cannot drop that gym and just move (laughs) on like you didn't just drop that gym. (laughs) You got to unpack that a little bit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. I think we're ever evolving and I know for myself I am, and I, and I challenge myself to always evolve, always stretch myself and grow. And if your why to do that means something to you, then you're going to be a better version of yourself after that, right? I think of a few of the things that I've shared already with really enclosing in myself when I went to private school, you know, that gave me that self-awareness of where do I have short? Why am I so uncomfortable to speak to these people when they're just awkward teenagers like I am, right? (laughs) So I I needed to do that. Or even just speaking to random strangers, like challenging myself and really being determined that I am not leaving here until I have my three introductions, you know, and I will sit at the bar, at a restaurant, and it was really nerve-wracking because – I, I remember sometimes I was like, hi, I'm Michelle. And they were like, hi. <laughs> and turn around. It's like, all right. That's one, though. That's one. I said hi. <laughs> That's one. And now, you know, I'm able to just have conversations and riff off different topics with people because I like different watching different documentaries, reading different books. I like hearing people's opinions. And I can have those conversations and then just kind of, Going back to my business from creating the the version of myself, going to those countries myself and seeing and acknowledging the differences between me going somewhere and staying on a resort, which is nothing's wrong with it, you know. I've had great times. Sit there, drink my ties. It was okay. You know, no complaints. But I also was falling short of, well, how did you like country X? I didn't really get the value out of it. So that pushed me to be able to really be able to answer those questions with substance, right? And not just say I have stamps, but this is what I learned here. So all of those different experiences has shaped me into being who I am now to have a business and speak to strangers and tell them what my business is. Be able to share my living experiences in these other countries so that other people can understand that this is possible. And, you know, I did it as a single black woman and it was still fun and I grew um, and you can do it too. So I think that we're always changing and evolving I'm very happy with where I am now. I think my tool bag is full for where I am now, but I definitely know to get to another level, there's more learning. I need to create another version of Michelle to do things as best as possible. So let's talk business for a second before I say goodbye. 
if you had to pick out one, what's the, the most important business lesson you've learned so far? I would say fully believing in your vision. I think, especially when you're talking to people and you're trying to get them to understand the why, get them to support you, partner, all of those things. Everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, some people will say, oh, yeah, that's great, but, right, you should change this thing, or I don't really think that model works, or opinions come aplenty, you know, and you have to really know how to sift through it and sticking to what your vision is and getting the opinions and say, okay, this one can actually enhance what my vision is, and this one will deter me in a way. And being okay with all the opinions that are coming. I think I used to be, and I'm still practicing this, to the point with things where it's like, I'm not going to listen to that, thanks. You know, and, and shut it down right away. But there could be value. And I think I've gotten better with letting go when there isn't. And being okay and still being able to converse with that person and not think like, man, that thing you told me was so stupid, right? It was just like, no, that that's what you thought, and that's okay. But if it doesn't align with my vision, then I'll leave it with you, and, and thank you for that. Very cool. So if people want to reach out to you, learn more about who you are, what you do, those nuggets that you gather along the way, how can they do that? Yes. So um, I am working on a website. It's not up yet. It is definitely in progress. Uh, so in the meantime, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Mitchelle L. My last name is L-Y-L-E, but I think on LinkedIn it's just my initial. And my email address for the business is International Travel Assistance. International is abbreviated with I-N-T-L, travelassistance at gmail.com. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Thank you. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email. Mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.